Well, hello, friends, and welcome to the Color of Money podcast. I am Julia Lachey, joined with my co-hosts, Emrick Peace and Daniel Dixon. And today, we have a very special guest for us. His name is John Clyde. So let me tell you a little bit about John Clyde before we jump into today's session, which is going to be about leaving six figures. So John Clyde's been in the business for more than two decades. And in the business, I mean in the real estate business. Because initially, he started his career as a detective sergeant with the New Jersey State of Police. Then he transitioned out of that job, leaving six figures, get the pun here, and uh, jumped into the world of real estate and having a dual career for a little bit there. But now, today, John Clyde is a really big deal in the world of real estate and an even bigger deal in the world of Keller Williams real estate and an even bigger deal in the world of black people in Keller Williams real estate. Uh, John serves as a divisional leader. What that means is he oversees areas and regions uh, of franchises. He's also a regional director of the greater Pennsylvania region. He's an operating principal of Keller Williams Realty Washington Township, which means like Daniel and like Emmerich, uh, he's a franchise owner. That's what that means. Uh, he's also an investor in eight other franchises in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Delaware. John also somehow sells real estate. <laughs> he's the owner of the Clyde Group that sold over 4,000 homes since 1999. Uh, and he's flipped over 100 homes. And he currently holds $10 million in real estate assets. That's not all, friends. I've got more. John Clyde is also an author of the book called Leaving Six Figures, which is why we are having this conversation with him today about how to do that to jump into the fabulous world of real estate. John, thanks for being here with us today. Thanks for having me. I got tired listening to, to all that stuff. <laughs> I got to cut some jobs back. That's crazy. I got, I don't know how you do all this stuff, but I'm glad that you do. Uh, and I'm glad to have you on today's podcast with Emrick and Daniel and I um, to talk a little bit about what that means. First, I would love to start with your book. You have a book and a podcast called yep. Leaving Six Figures. Uh, tell us more about that. So the book uh, really it was just about the journey. I mean, uh, when I was a state trooper, uh, no one ever left that job. You know, I don't know. You, I'm sure you guys, you grow up and you don't leave solid, like, you know, government jobs. You just hang in there and you, you retire and you go off to, you know, the, you know, to vacation land and you go to Florida, right? You do all that stuff, right? I, I, as, I, as I watched other people, that didn't seem true. I started seeing them retire and they looked more miserable. I was like, I don't know if I want to sign up for what, what's going on here. And, you know, I started feeling bad about it. And because it wasn't the normal thing, no one was leaving jobs, especially when I started getting closer to the, to the lottery ticket, right? You, and you think about the, the pension, you know, you grow up and you want that pension. And I'm thinking, you know, Emmerich, I know you were in the military and, you know, you want to get that, you want to get that lottery ticket. But my, my, my passion and my heart wasn't in alignment to kind of um, to that normal way of living. So the book kind of tells that journey of me, you know, going through that because so many people now, I mean, come up to me and say, hey, you know, thank you for inspiring me. I would have never did that if I didn't see you leave, you know, three years before your pension or I would have never 
you know, ever thought about leaving this kind of job until I seen you you do that. So I, the book really just tells that journey so other people can kind of say, hey, I guess if he can leave, you know, a multi-million dollar pension, I can do it too. So the book just really kind of gives that journey with little little police stories and little little uh, little little uh, less learning lessons throughout the journey. And I call it a, a wook because it's kind of like a workbook too, where you can kind of track your life and where you're going and maybe figure out when's a good time for you to leave if you felt like I did. And so specifically, talk, walk us through what that journey looked like. Because in a, in a previous podcast, we talked about taking risks and how some people, like myself, are fairly risk averse, right? Uh, like we talked about Daniel, Daniel, Daniel go to Vegas and live it up. I'm not playing bingo because I lost $20 one time, right? So some people are more risk averse than others. And we discussed how that really is one of the characteristics of people who are uh, wealth minded, right? Taking those risks. So I would imagine, like you just said, leaving a pension like that, there is probably some risk involved. Uh, Walk us through how you overcame, you know, the what might be and what might not be. You know, I I was a gambler, so um, I was the kind of guy that would play blackjack, and um, you know, I, so I was never afraid to gamble. So I, I do have that mindset. I will say that the difference was I had a family. So you know, you got I have four kids at the time when I left, young young children. Uh, my wife didn't work at the time, still doesn't work now. Um, so I had to make a decision that you know would this upset the way we live today. And I don't care who you are. I mean, that, you know, unless you're selfish, you, you got to put them first. And I, I kind of had to make sure my wife was in alignment. So part of my journey was making sure she was in alignment to that. And, you know, when she said, hey, I trust you, you never let us wrong. That's when I said, you know what, this, this might happen, you know, because I really didn't know if she would bite on it either. But once she bought and I asked people that, that I think have, have uh, some some good wisdom out there and they have good business savvy. And I started seeing that the numbers are the numbers, right? I don't care if it's a sales business, if it's a market center, whatever business, title business, the numbers tell you the story. So as I started looking at the numbers, I said, okay, well, if I left three years shy of a pension, you know, what would I, what would I make? And if I stayed, what would I make? And I started doing just simple math getting 40 hours back of my life or just staying here on the same journey I'm on. And, and truthfully, I was like, wow, like getting 40 hours back, I can really make some money. You know, I started seeing that having 40, 50 hours back of my life, I could start to maybe multiply or 10X or 5X my income because now I'm going to be able to do the thing that made me a lot of money on the side, right? The side hustle now that can make me a lot more money if I just focus on that. Because listen, in a, in, a, in a career or especially a state police job, for the most part, I knew what I would make the day I retire. You know, I could, you know, if I was the colonel of the state police, the highest leader there, I kind of know what I would make if I was him. Maybe a little off because of inflation or something like that. But for the most part, I would know what he would make when he retires, how much he would make up until the time he retired. So I knew that amount, and that's kind of the amount I used. I never, I really didn't talk about it in the book, but I used the highest level leader in the state police if I was to stay and get that level and that pension, how much money would it be? 
And it still didn't match what I could make if I was just dedicated to my craft of real estate, real estate investing, real estate ownership. And 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 really the the math kind of led me to like, hey, does this look right? You know, going to Emmerich, hey, what do you think? Does this am I going crazy or does this look like the math? And and smart people were like, dude, yeah, you can make more money. And you know, the people in that world, they're like, are you nuts? You don't leave a pension. You never leave a pension, right? You don't don't ever think about it. Like, you know, old school people are like, you stay there that three more years. I don't care if they got you locked to a, to a chain and ball. You stay there, right? But business savvy people are like, no, 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 no. You, your numbers are telling me something different. You go and stop being unhappy. Stop driving and hitting the steering wheel, you know, on your drive to work for two hours every day there and two hours back. Stop doing that. Like, And, and, and that's kind of what led me to sit on the couch that one day when I really made the decision, me and my wife. And I said, I think I'm going to do this. And she said, all right, let's do it. And, you know, I went to, to work uh, and told my supervisor and he didn't know what to do with me. And he said, you need to go home over the weekend and you need to decide, like, you really are serious about this. And um, I came back on Monday. I said, I'm serious. He called the guy above him. He didn't even know what to do. He said, no one's ever done this since 1921. They never seen anybody leave three years shy without getting uh, fired or, 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 or they were deceased. So they kind of took a week to tell me what the heck to even do. Like no one knew what to do with me. Like, what do you do with his gun? What do you, you know, what happens to his pension? Like, does he get anything from it? So they kind of had to do like all that work to figure out what they would do with me and how do, how does someone resign that didn't do it? Like, you know, force forcibly resign. You know, I did it, you know, voluntarily resign, which is not normal for that. So that, you know, that's that was, you know, that was the game changer for them, because now, you know, I've heard since then a lot of people, they call it the Clyde rule. Right. You know, you go, go in and tell them doing a Clyde and there you go. <laughs> now, John, one of the things you said that, that I thought was um, interesting is, is you mentioned real estate was a side hustle for you. And so for a lot of people owning the market center and seeing agents come and go, everybody has a job for the most part and taking the jump to go full time in the commission only type of world. Would you recommend people stopping and starting up or would you recommend having the side hustle, getting familiar with how to do this real estate thing before they make a transition for their family? Yeah, I, I tell a lot of people, number one, um, you need to have reserves. I don't care. Even, if you're a new agent, you should have reserves. I mean, you know, I don't think that changes for us, for anybody, right? So I, I think you have to have reserves. You know, you don't start any franchise or any business just with no reserves, and, and you don't do it with the real estate business. So I tell people, number one, you should know your, your, your financial lifestyle number, right? We all have it. Everyone has a comfort level of what it, what it takes to run your household, get your um, groceries and to, for your kids' schools, if you do private schools and all that stuff, and, and just to live life, right? To go to dinner or or to take your kids to the movie theater and all that stuff. So that's a that's there's a there's a number there, and then you guys know this too, because then the the excess would be what you know after reserves would be what you could invest with, and you know I I think if until you have that comfort zone, I tell people you know don't leave something and not have something set up. That's just not. That's not smart business. So, I, you know, for me, it was like how much are in reserves? You know, how much does it cost to live my life? 
I think at the time I probably had about five or six months of reserves. Um, and then, you know, I had investments, so I owned real estate. So I also owned, you know, properties and single families and things like that with, that had equity. Um, so I set myself up, you know, I wasn't just, I just left cold Turkey. I was set up somewhat, you know, not as good as I would like, but I was set up enough where I knew that my family wasn't in harm's way. Um, if I made that move. And I think that Daniel, I think to answer your question is you got to make sure you don't put you, you or your family in harm's way, especially now. Right. I mean, this, this is such a, you know, uncertain market with all kinds of twists and turns and your rates. So you want to be smart. So I tell people all the time, like my journey might not be yours. So you, you know, you need to feel comfortable. You need to talk to friends. Some, some people need to talk to God, you know, to talk to everybody and make sure it feels right before you start making a decision like that. But once it feels right, don't let that get in your way, right? right? You got to say, all right, the money's out, cut, and then you go on to the next thing. And then once you get the fear out, all right, the fear is out, cut, go on to the next thing, you know, ask the spouse, cut. And as I started the check marks, I was like, all right, now it's on me now. Like I, I got everything. The path is clear for me to do this. Now, now it's on me to, to make the decision. And, and that decision was the day I told my supervisor, it was like a lift, like the outer body, like I told somebody that, you know, like I said it, you know, to the world, even though my wife and close people, but I never told like, you know, the police. So once I told them, I knew it was time because it felt like someone came out of my bot and then I was like a new person that day because I came back Monday early as you can get waiting for that guy to walk through the door to tell him, hey, I'm out, brother, you know? Yeah. You know, that, that's interesting, John, because uh, I found myself in that same situation and I didn't do it at the same time. I was at about 14, I had about six years left. I apologize, six, left, six years left in the military, in the Air Force. And I had an and I had an option, and folks, they say maybe you should stay. I didn't have this. I, I didn't have the same upside at the time, and it did get to a point as I got closer to retirement. I was ready to go the same way. The difference is that in the military you have a service commitment. You just can't get up and walk out like <laughs> the same way, and so. I asked for early release on my service on my my service commitment. So I asked for a waiver, and I got the waiver. So I can definitely relate to when you're done, you're done. Yeah, I can yeah. definitely relate to when you're done, you're done. And, and it's a, it is it's a liberating feeling when you walk in and you say, "Hey, I'm not sure what's going to happen after this. I'm out of here," and you can smile and walk off. So. Well, so that brings me to a, another question. Actually, I have so many listening to y'all talk. But one of the things that you talk about even in your book, John, um, Leaving Six Figures, is, is not just focusing on the career transition, the part that you and Emmerich are talking about, but also finding personal fulfillment in that. Like, because in order for you to leave the kind of money you're talking about leaving and, and walking away from it, there had to be something about this that you felt would be more fulfilling to you. Um, can you discuss really the importance of aligning your values and your passion with your work or why you chose to leave the money? There must be something else that contributes to your overall happiness in life. You know, I wasn't the kind of the state trooper that my grandfather and my father was, you know, like lineage, family lineage, whatever. Uh, you know, my, my family, more we were more criminals than we were cops. You know what I mean? So it wasn't, you know, <laughs> we, we weren't we weren't on that path. So it wasn't that what 
it just was a good job when I was in college that that was making like 50 grand a year. I was like, I'm not doing that anywhere. You know that, you know, so it wasn't. So for me, it was like one of those things where it was a, a good job. And then it turned into like, um, you know, I, I got really good at it. You know, I was really, really good at it. And um, I got all these promotions. And and then all of a sudden I started to see, like, like I told you guys earlier, like people retiring and young guys with like 22 years and saying, I can't wait. I got 22 years, three months in a day till I retire. I'm like, man, like, is that me? Like, do I, like, am I already thinking about retirement? Like, you know what I mean? Like people were talking all around me about, you know, I got 10 years left and that was the environment I was in. It, it, it started to make me look kind of like that. I'm like, I was starting to be someone that I don't think I was. And I was like, I, I don't know if this, this, everyone's telling me how great it is, but I don't know if it felt that great, you know? And, and I started to see that. And I started to see my development as a human, as a, as a person. And I started to see them stay in the same places. And, and, I, and, I, and I, I really do think that mindset's everything in life. And I was trying to get myself out of that mindset, but it was like kind of all over me. Like, you know, my friends, my colleagues, you know, like, you know, and, and that's what you do. You know, you're a cop and you, you're stressed out. I don't know if you guys, I mean, you, you, you can imagine you see TV or where you got friends or family and, and police, but, you know, you would go out and see, you know, death. You know, you, you could, you know, it could have been the knife pulled on you or guns, gun, you know, guns fired and, you know, you got to go home and act normal. And, you know, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of stuff and it, it just started to be not as not the way I envisioned it. You know, like I, like I said, at the end, like this great retirement and I was so happy and I got 20, $10 million in the bank and my family's great and everything. I, I it, it never played out that way. And I watched everyone else show me that. So when people show me things, I, I pay attention, right? When people tell me things, I pay attention. So I started just watching and observing. Um, and I, I, I know you asked a question, so what, what, I want to make sure I answer. What was the exact question? Yeah, it was really like, you, and you have been answering it, that, you know, the importance of what you're really actually passionate about and how that contributes to your overall happiness. Do you stay in a job that's just a good paying job because it's the thing everybody told you to do? Or does life have something? Do you have a passion, which obviously you did for real estate because you were doing it on the side? And so the question really was, how do you how do you align that to contribute to your overall happiness? And is that part of, you know, the personal fulfillment? Is that part of why you left the job? Well, you just said something. How many people, and you know this, actually have unhappy marriages or relationships? But they stay in them. Why? Same reason. They're comfortable. It's too hard to, to break up, right? You know, what, you know, children, all those things, kind of the same reason why I stayed. You know, like all those things. But when you start to break it down into like being prepared, you know, like, do I really love this person or this job? Or am I here because I have to be here, right? You know, and I started like, again, check marks. You know, do I need it financially? Check mark, you know. Um, and, and as I started to, 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 to see it, you know, if you put it in a relationship term, I, I fell out of love with that job. But I still hung in there because I had other reasons like kids, money and all that. So I, I kind of had to start to, to check, figure out other ways. And then as the, uh, the side hustle, as Dan puts it, as the side hustle started making decent amount of money, I'm like, wait a minute. I actually like this. 
I'm starting to love this person, this job. And it actually makes me money. It makes me feel good. So I was like, oh, all right. So, so, you know, I think for me, it started to, I fell out of love with the one job and fell in love with the other job. And then the other job started to be really pretty, right? It, it, it was nice to me. It, it treated me good. And, and you know what I mean? And I started to say, this is really nice, you know, and, and that's kind of how it played out for me. Well, I think one, one of the things that's, uh, it, 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 it keeps coming up in every episode with this. It's about the, the power of relationships and, and you become who you spend your time with. And what I'm hearing you say is that you're spending your time with your coworkers and your colleagues. And the one thing they keep focusing on is that retirement date. And that just became innately who you started to go down that path before you realized this is not, this is not what I want. So I think how did you, how, who were your other circles outside of that police circle that encouraged you or that were fanning your flames on getting out of this and not going to retirement, but going living this much bigger life that, that is out there and that is, that is feasible? You know, um, unfortunately, I didn't have a lot of mentors. Um, my, my, my old man um, passed away, but he was old school. He just worked hard, man. Just a hardworking guy. Had an eighth grade education. My dad um, got in trouble early in life and turned it around and so he was like me. He's a grinder. Um, and most of the people around me, like my brother and them, they were younger. So they all looked, I was the person they looked up to being a state trooper. So I really, I, I actually, believe it or not, I was at Century 21 for a lot of years prior to coming to KW. It really wasn't until I started the journey of um, the, my latter parts of Century 21 where I started uh, writing down um I knew I wanted to write a book, so I started writing notes about my journey because I knew I wanted to start leaving it. You know, and if you read my book, I started tell, telling like stories of when I actually started knowing it was time for me to go because of being in that environment. And as I started to, to do that, documenting it, I started f- trying to find like other things to help me with my decision. So I started reading books, and a lot of books and, and articles were telling me like 76% at one point, like, I think it was like 67 or 76% of people are unhappy in their jobs. So I found out that I wasn't the only one, right? There's a lot of us out there that are unhappy in their job. Um, and there's a lot of us that don't do anything about it. A lot of us will, will end up retiring unhappy with our jobs and have to live with that for the rest of their life. So as I started to... Um, do some research. Um, I did speak to like my accountant. Um, I did speak to my, my, believe it or not, even though my parents were old school and, and from that era of pensions and keep it and go, they believed in me too. So I would say that the people that believed in me said, hey, you always been a, you know, you, you thought, you know, you got into real estate. You were one of the top, I was one of the top agents in New Jersey for Century 21. You know, I, I think I was like number one for a couple of years in a row in units and one year I was close in volume and I was in like a little part, you know, a very, very small average sale price market uh, where I was from. So, um, but I just did a lot of units. So I, I, I had success outside of, um, of the state police. So I started seeing that success. I started seeing my business savvy come out. Um, and, you know, I, I was around some realtors that were successful that, kind of like, man, I I couldn't imagine if you did this full time, what you could do in this business. So I kind of listened to them, but I didn't really have any, like, you know, I didn't have like an Emmerich where I can go and, you know, you know, I didn't have anybody in my circles because, 
you know, I was from a very, you know, a very average, you know, uh, you know, hardworking town where everybody worked two or three jobs. You know, it wasn't like the environment where I had so many, like, I don't even know if we had a million dollar, you know, there was no million dollar house in my area, you know, like the highest price house, you know, might've been at the time, maybe, you know, 300, $400,000, something like that. And everybody else had like, you know, $100,000, $80,000 homes. So, you know, I wasn't from an area where there was a lot of role models, especially that looked like me. <laughs> I, I would say I don't think there was any that looked like me. So there wasn't a lot of people to go to. And, and Dan, I know you, you've said this a lot, too, even in our world where it wasn't a lot of people. I didn't have a lot of people. So I had to read books and I had to, to just kind of talk to the people that I trusted that knew me and made sure I wasn't doing something that was silly. Well, you know, one thing that I've noticed that you've been mentioning is the positive relationships that you've had. You mentioned how supportive your wife was uh, and you could, were, you know, focused on your family and you had parents that were supportive of it. You know, when I used to coach new agents, a lot of them didn't have people that were rooting for this. A lot of new pe- agents or people looking to leave their career had people telling them, you're nuts. You're crazy. You can't make money in real estate. And they actually had families that were against this, you know. So what kind of advice would you give for people who don't have those supportive friends and family and colleagues that are supporting what they're trying to do in leaving their six-figure jobs or leaving their $30,000 jobs to go into real estate? What advice could you give? You know, what I what I always say is there are people who've done it before, so don't, you know, don't reinvent the wheel. And I didn't really know about the MREA at all, and I didn't follow, I don't, you know, I didn't, I'm not going to seriously say I follow it to a T. But as I know it now, as I do as a leader, I did follow it, right? I had to get an admin at some point because I was a I was part-time, right? I I was I had a 40-hour with travel 50-hour commitment. So I got an admin because I wasn't there. So I had to get someone there that actually answered the phones and could do errands and things when I wasn't there. And then I had leads, but I couldn't do them, so I had to go buy a buyer's agent. So I kind of started following the MREA. Before I even knew about the MREA, um, and what's the MREA? The Millionaire Real Estate Agent. It's the red book that Gary Keller and Jay Papazan and Dave Jenks wrote. Um, I usually have copies laying around here somewhere, but um, my kids come in my office sometimes. But yeah, it's the red book. They call it. Okay. Okay. So, so that's one part. But the other part was I don't know about you guys, but I think everyone should have a, ni- a niche. Right. Um, you know, whether it be a farm, whether it be REO, like when, when I'm saying foreclosures, luxury, uh, it could be DEI, it could be diversity. You could be, you know, like the, the uh, you know, uh, I know a lot of people, they are um, they, they service Hispanic communities and they tell everybody, like, you, give, give me give me it all. That's what I want to do. So for me, it was uh, bank owned and, and investments. And that's what I did. And I. And the, the, the reason why I even really took off was back in the early 2000s, no one wanted to go in Camden, New Jersey. It was the most dangerous city in America, I think two or three years in a row. No one wanted to go there where the point where agents would give me listings. I mean, they don't want referrals. They would just give them to me. I was like, this is crazy, you know, <laughs> but they were giving me at one point I had like 200 listings in Camden. And I don't think I need to tell you guys what happened in 2002, 3, 4, 5, 
right? The market went like this and I had all those listings. Um, and then before you know it, I did a good job with those $10,000, $20,000 homes. Now what happens? They give you your primary home and I, they trusted me with their primaries and I get relationships and then we start investing and I start investing and then you can kind of see how that goes. And then I got too many leads to handle. I had to get another buyer's agent and then I get too many, too much going on and I had to get another admin, right? You know, I get a part, another half part-time admin for my admin. And that's kind of how the Clyde group actually grew. But we grew from a, from really, we used to mess up everybody's average sale price. When every market I went to or age, like a Century 21. Oh, they had you were one of those. I know that guy. I know that guy well. Yeah. <laughs> and then I went to Keller Williams and same thing. I messed them up too until I actually got more into leadership and stopped, you know, uh, stopped selling real estate. But I didn't care because to be honest with you, and I know you guys are the same way. I treated the $10,000 customer like I did the million dollar customer. And to this day, I still have relationships with these folks. And I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I have, I'm, I'm you know, I, I still own the company team and everything, but I don't, I'm not day to day. They, I have people that lead those companies. So, but we still have the same values and they have to have the same values where we take any, we take any listing, any land, we take it all. And we, we let our people know that there's no there's no listing or no buyer too too bad for us. And and that's that's how my business took off because I was like that. So in your book, uh, John, and um, throughout your podcast too, you have guests just like we have you on here as a guest, and they share stories of how they've left their jobs and left six figures to come in uh, to the real estate world, like Matt Teeter left being an attorney to be a million dollar coach, right? Um, what's one of your favorite stories? Is there a particular person that you've interviewed that's most inspiring or memorable of somebody who has actually found fulfillment and success after leaving their six-figure career? You know, I've got some, so many good stories. I just interviewed a guy, Garrett Wig, who was a Miami cop that left three years shy of his pension. He's making like close to $100,000 a year uh, doing um, tra dog training uh you know, via Zoom, you know, uh, you know, and across the country. And, uh, you know, he was a generational cop, meaning grandpa was a cop, dad was a cop, he was a cop. So he had that. So, you know, it wasn't easy for him to leave if you think about that. So watching his journey, but really it was similar, you know, the, the, the patterns emerge in all of us, Matt, Garrett, uh, Keith James, you guys know, I'm sure uh, a lot. We all have similar patterns and everyone, for the most part, was, were, was patient on their side hustle, meaning that they allowed the side hustle to do what it does. And once it started to make enough where they thought it was time to make that switch, they've done it. Right. Um, and I think that's preparations, everything. Um, and, and, you know, Garrett and, and those uh, folks all had, they were prepared, they had the right mindset. But I will tell you, there's actually my neighbor here. Um, his name is Tim Fraley. He's a real, real reserved and whatever, multi, I mean, very successful guy and started like in his garage. And I still see him. If you guys ever heard of the Mixed Chicks hair products? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, he yeah. does. So, so he's no, I'm pretty uh, sure it's the listening audience cannot see Daniel or Emmerich. 
So I don't know that they're familiar with mixed chips hair products because <laughs> well, they, they do not have I hair. Dan is, Dan is a mixed uh, parents, uh, you know, race, right? Black and white. I am as well. So there's a, a hair product that was for mixed children, right? Our hair, we, we, they're not, it's not white. It's not black. And it, it does all kinds of stuff and, and not everything works. So he figured out uh, a solution. He partnered with them and that makes millions of dollars a year. But he, he promotes and, and supports those products around beauty. And he's done it for years. And, and the guy makes, he's actually one of the, um, he was like Forbes, one of the top Florida startups, uh, you know, years ago. And he's, you know, his, his, his profit margins are insane. Um, and he continues to go off. But he had a great, uh, uh, like, banking job for years out in California and left it, him and his wife, and, and now does amazing Things every time I see him, he got a new car. You know, he got the vet, got the Porsche. He's, you know, every every day you see him, and he's out in the, you know, with his kids, and he's and he's living a life by design. So I, I love that. I I love the story, and then I can watch it play out. It's really cool. Well, John, I'm curious for for our listeners that that have that have a full time job, they're interested in real estate. Like, what are what are three actionable things that you did to have the transition? Obviously, get a real estate license. Then what? How are you evaluating whether or not this was the right move for you? Like, if you could give the the, the listeners three actionable takeaways um, to help them transition, what would that look like? First, I would say um, you got to ask yourself a question: like, am I doing this because I want to leave, or am I just doing it for the, a side hustle? Right? Like, my brother has two jobs, but he loves being a cop, so he's fine with the side hustle. So. I think, you know, there's a difference between me wanting to, to leave, that's hence leaving six figures, and me wanting just more money. So I think you got to determine what that is for you. Um, and then how much is that, right? You know, you know, what do I need to, you know, like everybody, everyone has a goal and I need to make $50,000 more, right? I, I know you guys are like, probably like me. I, there's no, there's no number. It might be an annual number. I want to reach, you know, another $2 million of passive income or whatever that is. You know, you might have that number. Am I in a position at this, what I'm doing right now to, to achieve that? And the answer for me at the state police was no. I knew that to live the life that me and my wife envisioned us living, if I stayed in this job, I probably couldn't live that life. I, I just, I just knew it. Like what we wanted to do, we wanted to travel wanted to spend, we wanted to have this multi-million dollar home and wanted to live in Florida and in Florida and New Jersey on the shore and all. It just wasn't possible on the journey I was on. So I, I think financially you have to also see is like, you know, how much money is it that I want to do? Um, and then once you start determining the numbers, now you got to say, all right, what do I need in reserves? You know, so I started, you know, finding out what my lifestyle number was and the, 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 um, the thing someone taught me that I did that I, any listener should do is, I budget, I, I, 30 days, I track every penny my family spent, my kids, my wife, and me. I did this like 12 years ago. And when I found out how much it was, I almost had a heart attack. I was like, oh my, you know what? It cost me this much money to just break even? And what do most people do when they find that they out? What do, what do most people do when they find out they, 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 they live too high on a hog? What, what does most people do? Go figure out how to get some money. That's exactly right. right? And Gary teaches us, right? A lot of, a lot of people teach us that. 
I was actually, I was the opposite. He just what? I didn't hear either one of them said they were talking over each other. What y'all say? <laughs> what I, do people I, do? I said from from one perspective, figure out how to get more money. And then Daniel. And what you say, Daniel? Daniel said the right answer. Figure out how to cut expenses. Oh, Daniel said the right answer. Oh. <laughs> most, most people, that's what they say, right? That that's the smart thing to do. Like go cut expenses. However, I don't know about you guys. I like the life that I was living, right? I like going to dinner when I want. I like going to Starbucks whenever the heck I want. I like my kids going to whatever schools they want. You know, I I, I want that. So I made a decision that I'm going to make more money. Like I'm not going to. I'm not going to cut that lifestyle. I'm going to make more money. So at that time, that started to show me that I might not be able to stay in this job or this career anymore because if I was to do that right and not get me killed or my partner killed because my mind's all over the place, I might, I might need to rethink what I'm doing here. So, you know, I think the next thing part of that is, right, you know, once I know the money, I start figuring out this is not going to work, you know, for me and my family. So now I start the, the, the plan and the plan was for me was I'm going to give 100% to real estate, meaning my sales business, and I was going to give 100% to being a real estate investor. At the time, it meant uh, 70% was flipping homes, 30% was holding homes. So I would flip 70% of the homes I purchase annually and I would hold 30% of them. Um, so that was kind of the, the, the model I ran up until the market went, did what it did. Um, you know, in, in 07 and 08. But that that was kind of the play. I have one last question, and then I'll let, I'll let Daniel and Emmerich wrap it up from here. But my, my question is, a, a couple of days ago, a friend of mine said, I wish y'all would stop acting like everybody could be an entrepreneur and quit selling this bag of goods. Some people just need to be an employee. Do you think that there are certain characteristics or certain people who just need to be an employee and leaving six figures is not a good idea for them. That's a trick question. Um, <laughs> it's a good question because honestly, we're all entrepreneurs, right? But we need somebody to do the work. You said you couldn't answer the phone because you weren't there, right? So somebody's got to answer the phone. We can't all go out and chase our there, dreams. Somebody has a, to actually there, do the job. There's a better way to say this. So okay, there's some people that like to be a cop. Right. Yeah. There's some people that yeah. like to be a school teacher. There's some people yeah. that like to be an admin. So what I would say is those folks should do it because they like to do it. However, yeah. everyone can be a, a, a real estate investor, which means you are an entrepreneur. So I love that answer. Like yeah. my, my admin, she's that runs my team was great. And I tell her story. She was negative $250,000 net worth, 60, 60 years old. And because of real estate investing, she turned her, she's still my admin, but now she's, you know, net couple hundred thousand. She owns her home now, her and her husband. She, we're making about $150,000 each right now a year. And we have like three under contract with a forthcoming now. So she'll probably make a couple hundred thousand this year, maybe even more. Uh, we're, we're getting a lot of people giving us investments that we're, we're, we're flipping together with them. And she's my partner. So, um, I say everybody can be a wealth builder, but everybody yeah. has to choose what makes them happy. And it might be being an employee. Good answer. Thank you. Well, you know, John, you, the evolution from being a trooper, I think you pulled me over before, too. No, I'm joking. Yeah. <laughs> 
evolution. I, from, I was on I was on the expressway. I was I was a, I was a I was writing tickets out there, baby. Yeah. So an evolution from being a trooper to where you are now, area director, um, regional director. What part of that journey has been the most gratifying? You know what's really cool, and this is for a lot of people should hear this, is that I remember uh, ten years, nine years ago, I was the only minority in the the regional directors room. Before Bo and Kimber came in, I was the only one there, and I, I would never talk, meaning like I just felt like so out of place. I'm just being totally transparent, and I I felt like I didn't have anything to offer, and I think. Uh, probably when I started to get success and I started to open up a lot of franchises and I started to be seen and I turned into a regional director from the area director when I started um, and I was a maps coach for RDs, I started, like, I seen the evolution of my, the way I was in that room. I felt like I could, you know, press, you know what I mean? I felt like I belonged, you know, like probably th- Probably when Bo and Kimber got in there, I, I felt like I belonged. And they came in and it felt a little like, oh, all right, here we go. You know, so it, it, it I, watching that and then now to lead those folks to be one of the top leaders in the, in the company, to lead it, to have, you know, names that people, you know, love to have in their market centers and in their region teach. I, I lead those folks and they come to me for advice you know, and I, and and I'm like, sometimes I'm on the phone, like, did he just call me and ask me that? Like, you know, so to watch that evolution does make you proud. And I, I think that the fulfillment's there where it's like, wow, like, like I could have gave up and just, you know, bowed down, but I just stayed strong and, and, and persevered and, and, and sat in that room when I felt uncomfortable and I felt like I didn't belong. And to now be the, the leader there, um, it, it's a, it's, it's, it's humbling, but it, it, it does fill your heart with a lot of joy, I say. So as, as we wrap up, John, I think that we're, we're on a mission to help the conversation around wealth building and around um, entrepreneurship and things like that. And I love how you talked about being an investor is being an entrepreneur. Um, but also what I'm hearing is wealth building has to, you have to get out of the normal W-2 tax uh, capped income to be able to to be able to allow yourself the ability to then go grow wealth and live live a bigger life. And so, as our industry is going through chaos right now, and agents are getting out of the business left and right, I think it's interesting for people that are listening and interested in real estate to think about that side hustle and think about the intention that that you gave and you were so convicted on um, your decision to leave six figures and join the real estate community because you were very clear about your intention and what you wanted to achieve. And so how did, how, how do people get clear like that? How do they, how do you have that thinking time to understand this is what I want to do. I'm convinced this is it. And here's the step that I then go take. You know, uh, Mo Anderson actually wrote my Ford. You guys know was the first CEO of Kel Williams, and um, she she uh, someone asked her. Uh, I I paid a lot of money to have her have lunch with my market center, and someone said something. Uh, you know, how do you run a world class ALC, Agent Leadership Council? For those that don't know, and you know, I, I was expecting this elaborate answer from Mo. Like I was like, 
sitting there like, all right, she's going to tell us something that's going to change the game for our company, right? Our market center is going to be so much different. And I'm sitting there and I'm holding on to my seat. And she says, real simple, she was like, commitment, meaning that, you know, either you're committed to something or you're not. And she just said, just like you can't be partially pregnant, you can't be partially pregnant, uh, partially committed. <laughs> you're, either, you're either pregnant or you're not. And I think for, for me, I, I was committed to leaving. I was committed to being successful because the thing I didn't share was a lot of people said he'll be back. You actually have a year to go back as a state trooper. So if I left, I could I have up to a year to come back and actually keep my job. So people were like, he'll be back. Like, I mean, I'm talking like people I like and, and trust. And, you know, some people like in the state police are like, he'll be back. And I'm like, oh, yeah. OK. OK. So, you know, once I was committed, there was no there was no going back. And my, my family was committed. But it starts with my commitment. And once I was committed, then I got the people around me to be committed, meaning my wife and my parents and, and, and my, my, the people in my work. Because I told them, too, I said, hey, you guys, I just left a multi-million dollar pension to be here with you every day. We're going to make more money. You're going to make more money, but we're going to do it together. So I started getting people like all pumped up with me. All right, let's go, you know. Um, and, and, you know, and, and the rest is history, man. I mean, you know, now I'm living, you know, in Boca, you know, with the palm trees and doing what I want to do when I want to do it. And, and that's that's what life's all about, man. Any final words for our listeners uh, of what you'd like to leave them with? You know, I would say, you know, the, the thing I, I talk about now is mental health's the thing. And uh, I, I would say is, you know, happiness is important. And don't go, you know, don't go months and years when you're not happy, whether it be a relationship or a job, because you, you see it. You know, I know my book's about the job, but it's also about life because if I wasn't a stable mentally and I was unhappy and then let's say, you know, I'm unhappy at my home, that that transcends in life. So I just tell people, you know, I, I when I sign books to people, I put choose happiness. And at the end of the day, I, you know, it, it's about being this this book is about more than that. But at the end of the day, it's really about being happy. And if you want to be happy, you're going to have to do the things that make you happy. And that might be figuring out a way to get out of that job you're in. And if that's the case, then you got to you got to get yourself in a position so you can leave it. But if you read the book, it'll tell you little things of how to do it. So I would say have a plan, plan that plan out, run it out. And the minute you you feel like you can be committed to, to that one thing was that new job, then you do it. Don't let anybody stop you. I love it. And you can find the book. We'll have the link on our website for you to find John's book, Leaving Six Figures. He also has a podcast and we'll link you to the podcast as well. Thank you so much, John. Thank you to my co-hosts, Emmerich and Daniel. And thank y'all for tuning in. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Julia. Thank you, guys. Thank you, John. Follow the Color of Money podcast today and get notified when new episodes are released weekly. Be part of this transformative listening experience. 